When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Well, I think you got to give teammates credit. I mean, uh, he played extremely well. I uh, had a lot of help around him. Uh, the guys up front, Dalvin, the way he played, uh, Diggsy, the receivers, Adam. You know, I mean, he got a lot of help from Rudy, and good, a good group. So, uh, but I also think that uh, you know we worked really hard to try to figure out what we think he does best and how we could grow from that standpoint. I think the number one thing Kirk did last year, he got he got rid of the football, and it's hard in this league to get that mentality that the ball's got to come out, you know, for your team to be successful. So, Oh, Gary. Gary's going to be talking every week, which is great. Welcome into Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, former Minnesota Viking, Alex Boone. What is going on, Alex? Matt, how are you? I am doing absolutely great. Isn't it exciting to have Gary around? Because he could just be so Gary. He talked about taking a couple of days to go cut the yard. Like He's got a ranch, and I assume that there's a lot of cutting of the lawn to be done. It can't just be done like mine in 45 minutes. The Gary spent all day just sitting on that lawn tractor and thinking, do I want to be an offensive coordinator? I don't know. Maybe I do. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I got a couple of things to start us out with, Alex. Uh, but the first is Bill Barnwell posts an article on ESPN that goes through every team in the NFC North and five things that they need to do this offseason. And one of them that he lists is signing Kirk Cousins to a contract extension, which we on the show here have really, you know, batted it around quite a bit, and it's only February 13th. Um, But he proposes a specific contract extension. So I'm going to lay it out for you, and you tell me what you think of this. It would be from 2021 to 2023, and it would also impact his 2020 um, uh, salary cap hit. So this year's cap hit would be $25 million under this Bill Barnwell proposal. Then it would go up to 29 then to 35 then to 40 by 2023. If his cap hit this year and next year both stayed under $30 million, does that make it a lot more attractive to you to sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension? Or would you still be looking at it like, yikes, that thing eventually is going to hit $40 million, and that's still going to be a major problem? Well, that's the question. Is like, is the thirty-five and the forty guaranteed? Because if it um, goes see. back, into it would being have guaranteed, to be. Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah, because his so entire contract now say, is right, and so he's going to look at this and go, "Listen, this contract's guaranteed. I want the next one to be." And they're going to have to right. be like, 
Boy, we, we set ourselves up for something not good. And eventually you're going to have to pay that $40 million. Like You keep running from these numbers, yeah. and eventually you have to cash out on them. And that's why these always look great at first. You're like, wow, that, keep it under 30 for the next two years. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then after that it spikes way up, and then you're looking at yourself like, well, now he's not definitely going to get any better than what we have. And if it's not getting better then, what are you looking at? Like, What's the product then? And then you're looking at $40 million, and you think, my God, that's a lot of money. Would it change your mind if I said that in 2022 the NFL went to a 17-game season and the salary cap shot up by 30 or $40 million for every team? Um, no, because you're still going to have to pay that money, and that's still going to hit your cap eventually. And then you're still looking at the same problems like – can we? Can we? And I was thinking about this the other day about how we were talking about can they put enough pieces around him? And I mm-hmm. think the better question is, do they have enough cap space to put the pieces around him yeah. to get him over the hump? And the answer is no. Right now, no, you don't. Number, you're super cap strapped right now. I mean, what are you like twelve over? Yeah. And you have to, and you have eighteen free agents said some way or how. You're like, you're like, dude, you are really not in a good position. And then you keep talking about pushing all this money back to later and delaying it. Well, eventually that day has to come to roost. And then you're looking at yourself like man we could have got out of this deal a long time ago you know and even then are you the gm at the time like if a gm switches over too, like there's so many things that go into that if they don't win it this year what's going to happen with rick and zim do they continue to go on and then what's the next coach because you've kind of just handcuffed him if you're like hey this is your starting quarterback for the next three years figure it out like that's gonna that's gonna put a lot of people in a bad position and that would be an argument from their side in a way to do it is because both Zimmer and Spielman are up against it here. Like they've had their shot at going to a Super Bowl and building a team exactly their way, and it's come up short a number of times and, and missed the playoffs enough times to have ownership getting pretty antsy about the amount of money that they've paid. Uh, th- this team has had a ton of success in the Mike Zimmer era in terms of just how many wins you have. I think they're in the top five in wins since Zimmer took over as franchises. But when you set the standard at, we'll pay anything it takes. We'll hire Gary Kubiak and Dom Capers and pay those guys whatever it takes to have them as advisors. We'll sign Cousins to that contract. We'll pay out all these bonuses and everything else. Then it sets the expectation extremely, extremely high. And so Zimmer and Spielman have to know that there's a ton of pressure on. That might be an argument for both sides. You could look at it and say, well, okay, then they better keep their quarterback. They shouldn't go into quarterback uncertainty because that will get you fired pretty quick if it doesn't work out. But then from the other side, if you don't dip into quarterback uncertainty and you sign Cousins to a huge contract extension, a $25 million cap hit for a quarterback or a $29 million cap hit, even in the next two years, is still massive and still takes up 15% of the salary cap and doesn't allow you to do other things in free agency. So I think that is what makes it a really tough decision that, well, compared to $40 million a year, this looks pretty reasonable if they structure it that way, right? But it's still taking up so much space that you can't pay other people. And just to be honest, nobody's getting paid 40 yet. Like, it hasn't happened yet. So there's everyone keeps throwing out this 40 number, but you have to see it there. I think teams are going to be very reluctant to be like, listen, $40 million? Absolutely. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of cap space that one player is taking up. And then you look, turn around and look at some of the guys that are highest paid, and they're not doing anything with their teams. And you're like, okay, so you paid this one guy a lot of money. Teams are starting to branch out, and they're starting to get smart, and they're like, listen, how can we use the best to our ability? Right? And that's why you see a lot of these go into the uh, running back by committee teams. Yep. Right? They're like, hey, listen, we're going to have to give up somewhere, but we need these. You know, we're paying a quarterback. Now we've got to have great receivers for him. Let's just get a couple running backs. We'll put them in the backfield. We'll just throw the ball at them and see what they do. It 
it'll def- you know it'll help our offense a little bit. And hey, if they take off, it'll help our offense a lot. But forty million dollars is a lot of money. Twenty five is still a lot of money for someone that hasn't really done anything in the NFL besides win what one playoff game. Yeah, like yeah. that's still people. I think the owners are going to look at this and be like, listen, this is it. This is your year. If you want to go out and draft somebody young to hopefully be the future after Kirk, go for it. This is your one chance to get the ring. Because after this, everybody's going into uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And if you do sign Kirk to a long-term deal, what are the other coaches after Zim going to say? Like, What if you get a great coach that's like, listen, like a Josh McDaniels, right? Because Josh is always going to be at the top of the pyramid. Everybody loves Josh. So say he's like, listen, I'd love to come there, but... Just don't want to work with Kirk. Yeah, like you, you have to wonder, like, what are the implications of not only now but next year, the year after? Like, what's going to happen if you sign them to this big? Even if it's so team friendly that you're like, listen, it's it's really it's in our favor. It's not a lot. It's yeah, we'll guarantee all of it, but that's still money on the books that you can never get away from. And then people are always going to turn around and be like, ah, dude, you shouldn't have done that. And I've been trying to think of other quarterback situations that were similar, uh, as in you kind of end up getting stuck with your quarterback is very good, he probably can't get you over the hump, and he's really expensive. And the one, the one that keeps coming to mind for me is a guy who was in rumors uh, just today, which have since been kind of debunked by all the people in the know, but there was a rumor today about Matt Stafford and the idea oh. of the Detroit Lions trading away Matt Stafford. And his contract is going to pay a ton of money to the salary cap. I'm pulling it up right now. He is going to get, for this year, his cap number isn't too bad. It's $21 million, but then it goes berserk after that. Then it goes up to 33. So next year would probably be the time that they would consider trading him. But they're locked into a quarterback who's very good, and there's no debate about it. Matt Stafford is solid, but mm-hmm. he's been mostly 9-7, and 8-8, and 7-9. Eight and eight, One year he's 11-5, and five, hasn't won a playoff game, and has just enough shortcomings to not get you over the top when your team isn't the best. And even when their teams have been great, they haven't quite been able to get anywhere. And everyone else gets the blame. Coaches get fired. GMs get fired. They trade this guy. They sign this guy. And yet the results remain pretty much the same with Matt Stafford. And, and if you stick with Cousins... I think you kind of sign up for something similar there, and you might even argue Stafford's a little better than Cousins. So you you sign up for something similar, and also you take away all the other possible options off the table. So all the other players who could potentially be your quarterback are now off the table and never will be in this time period, the ones that come up and come available. And and from, from that perspective, even if it's a reasonable deal, you still feel like you're locking into something where you already know the result. Right, 100%. And I think that... The only reason that Matt Stafford, in my opinion, is better than Kirk is because he takes more risk. And you know mm-hmm. me. I'm a big risk taker. Like If you're going to be that quarterback, that is great. I am all about that. I'm cool with tackling people with interceptions. But a lot of times you say that and then you walk away from the game like, man, what if he didn't have thrown that? What if, <laughs> yeah. what, what yeah. if he had not thrown that one pass? God, really, dude? You know, you're, you get upset. And it's the same thing with Kirk, right? Like, why couldn't you throw that? Why couldn't you get rid of it? Why couldn't you scramble out of that? It's the same thing. It drives you nuts. And it makes you wonder, like, when are these guys going to start to fade out more, in my opinion? Like, you think about it. When are the teams going to eventually catch on and be like, listen, this, this guy just clearly can't scramble. He can't get out of trouble. When he does, he's a deer in headlights. And the opposite with Matt Stafford. Like, this dude can clearly just heave the ball, but at times it's to the other team, and that's just unacceptable. And for whatever reason it is, it's still you threw the ball. Like, it's, that's why it's always so annoying when someone's like, well, did it bounce off the receiver's hands? Like, dude, who cares? Threw an interception. Interception's interception. Like, you can't really 
There's no way about that. And so when you're looking at this, these guys eventually have to start tailing off. The question is when. And it's also the, the difference between talent and how much you're going to get paid is very unique. And I think it was a great point brought up by someone on the show earlier this week that quarterback is the only position where if you reach a certain threshold, you just get paid 30 to $35 million on the cap, where every other position is staggered to... If you are X good, then you get paid Y. If you are Stephon Diggs good, you get paid 14. If you're Julio Jones, you get paid 20. If you are some other guy who's just above average, you get six. Like every other position, it goes by how good you are with money, except for quarterback. And I wonder how much teams are going to continue to pay quarterbacks like this. They've eventually gotten to a point with running backs where they're saying, Ah, you know, that's just not super smart to pay these, even though very talented running backs, a lot of money because these contracts blow up. I wonder if we do get to a point where teams look at these quarterbacks and go, hey, you're good, but we can't keep doing this or we're going to end up in the same place that's 7-9, and 8-8. Nine, eight and eight. No, it's never going to happen. I don't Sorry. think so either. It's too it, it, right. It, <laughs> Quarterbacks totally touch the ball yeah. every every yep. play. Like they're your decision makers. They're you on the field. So when they're like, "Hey, listen," and I totally agree with you. I feel like it's not about uh, like when you talk about other positions. You said it exactly right. Like if you're Julio, you get paid twenty. If you're Stefan, you get slotted in there. You get paid seventeen. With a quarterback, it's more like, "What tier are you? Are you yeah. a great tier? Are you good? Are you average?" And that's how they get paid. You don't even have to. You could be a ballpark roundabout good quarterback. They're like, "Well, it's going to cost at least twenty. And then after that, you got to think: Is he going to get us any wins? You know what? How many Pro Bowls? How many All Pro? Like, and, you, and then when you start talking about real players, you're like, well, he's not better than so and so, so that would make him like eleventh best. And that's when you start to, like quarterbacks have this whole nother world, which is interesting to me because it, it's like we're talking about now. Like, eventually, teams are going to start to catch on and go, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this with the quarterbacks. And the question is: Do the quarterbacks resist? Do they push back like unilaterally? Are they like, hey, listen, we're the quarterback position. We're going to take care of each other. Therefore, you're going to have to pay our guys this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's like two different negotiations. There's the one side of the league, and then there's the quarterbacks. And it's like, dude, because we've already talked about Patrick Mahomes making 40. And that's, that's realistic. Yeah. I mean, the kid is incredible. He's probably he's, worth it. He's absolutely worth $200 million. But that is like, you set the bar with that. And then from there, it just drops like five. Five million per tier, and then it's like it's weird how it does that. But I'm wondering eventually what is like too much, right? Like after Patrick Mahomes, then there's going to be Deshaun Watson's going to have to get paid. Like there's mm-hmm. so many guys that are going to. It's it's dude, it's it's insane. And to think that like you talk about having Kirk Cousins for the next four years, even though it might look really good in the books and it looks really great to you, like there's so many quarterbacks coming out right now that you're like, listen, we're either going to get on this train now or we're not, but we have to make a decision. And the best thing, and everybody knows it, is to get on this young quarterback train. But you struck on something that I think about quite often with paying quarterbacks and uh, always have to stop and say Kirk Cousins, very, very good at NFL football. Um, and deserved to be in the Pro Bowl this year, had a great season, he's super talented, and overall in his career has won a lot of football games as starting quarterback. But when you look at quarterbacks who come out and you look at systems that they could be put in to try and succeed, I think that there are probably more toward 40 or 50 human beings who can be good at quarterback in the NFL now as opposed to maybe 20 years ago or 30 years ago where there were a dozen. And I was watching the Giants and Vikings game from 1997, which yesterday we had fun breaking down on the show. And Danny Cannell is starting for the Giants, and he is putrid. 
I mean, I mean, he's just a, a horrendous quarterback, and they're handing off to Tiki Barber and Rodney Hampton and playing defense. And I, I was thinking about, yes, there are some putrid quarterbacks in the NFL now that they get to play a little bit, and then their you know careers kind of become backups. But it's very rare that you see someone who can't handle it whatsoever or can't produce anything if they're put in the right system with a good team. And even with Case Keenum, he's put in the right system with great receivers, great. with Pat Shermer, and he steps in and he goes 13-3 and has a season that was worthy of being a top-10 quarterback in that season with the right circumstance. And so if we go on the premise that circumstance is a massive, massive factor when it comes to your quarterback, then you would look at what Cousins did this year and say, what percentage of that could I get with someone else that isn't him, even if they're not quite as talented overall, but if they could do a little things different, like running around a little or taking those shots that you mentioned down the field, can we system and supporting cast them to a similar result for way less money? And I tend to think the answer is often yes. Yes, it always is yes. And look what these young kids can do now. Like all of them can scramble. They can all. It's all. It's this new. I don't know, evolution of the game. It's the ability for defensive linemen to get faster, bigger, stronger, and then all of a sudden the quarterback has to do what? He has vision has to get faster, right? His throwing ability has to get faster. He has to be able to scramble around the pocket. That's why I'm wondering, when are all these like older quarterbacks eventually going to start tapering off? Because the more I think about it, you can't tell me that, and I'm not being disrespectful to anybody, but you can't tell me that some of these quarterbacks in the league right now are the best that this that the college system has to offer. Like, there's kids out there that are going crazy. Eventually, the teams are going to pick up on this, and I feel like it's going to be a massive influx of young QBs. And you're starting to kind of see it, but the problem is, and I've said this before on the show, it's the coaching. You put them in these terrible systems where these coaches are like, listen, we're going to put a lot on your shoulders. Look at Josh Rosen. We're going to put a lot on your shoulders. Now, granted, they would, he didn't have the best O-line in front of him, but that was the O.C.'s fault for not figuring it out. Hey, listen, how do we keep this guy safe? How do we keep this guy healthy? David Johnson didn't have a good year that year. How do we do this? How do mm-hmm. we pick these things up? Like that, That's why I can't stand when everyone's like, well, it's the quarterback's fault. Well, it's not really the quarterback's fault. Like, the kid is young. You have to kind of bring him along. You can't just be like, hey, listen, we're going to throw a lot at you, and you're a top-ten pick. You're expected to handle this. No, dude, it's not like that anymore. It's not like these simple defenses like they used to be 20 years ago. And you talked about how 20 years ago there was probably 12, and now there's 40. It's because of the evolution of football. These guys mm-hmm. keep getting better naturally. So all of a sudden you turn around and you go, you have a really good product. How can you not use this? But then he can go somewhere else. Ryan Tannehill, perfect example. How yeah. can you have this kid for four years, and you don't really do anything, and then all of a sudden he goes to one team and plays eight games and takes him deep into the playoffs. Like that, I blame your coaches, and I will always blame your coaches because you didn't know how to use your player and you didn't help him schematically. You didn't use all the pieces around him because there's always ways around everything. Oh, line camp lock, dude, I got 50 ways to protect you. Watch this. You don't have a running game? Let me show you how you fix that. Can't throw the ball? Bro, it's okay. We'll do nothing over five yards. Like Everything has such a simple answer, but these coaches make it out like, I'm a genius. Watch this. <laughs> Dude, you're not a genius. I'm telling you. I've seen this offense. We played it in Pop Warner. Like This is too re- remedial for me. You have to make these guys come along faster. And a lot of it has to do with the coaching. And I don't think people point enough fingers at them because they're afraid. Like They're like, oh, well, we can't really point at the coaching staff. They're gurus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are they? Well, no, so here's a good point uh, on a good statistic to back up your good point is uh, last year in 2018, Ryan Tannehill with 
using play action, which is a lot of scheme. It's people running wide open if you do it right. If you're right. Co- if you're Coobs and you know how to go out to the ranch and get on in the <laughs> dirt with a stick and draw up a play action play. Uh, his quarterback rating last year with play action was only 84, which is pretty stunning considering usually it boosts quarterbacks. This year it was 143. <laughs> so he went from a backup quarterback when using play action to a megastar quarterback when using play action. And I think that says a lot about how they were just scheming those because those throws are usually right there for the quarterback to make, as we saw so often with Kirk Cousins. And it would also be a justification for... I've gotten a few tweets of people saying, why don't you trade a third-round pick for Josh Rosen if Miami's going to go get Tua to have him as your backup and see how he fits in this system with good receivers, even in training camp, in practice. Like, how does he work with Thielen Diggs? How does he work with Kyle Rudolph? How does he work with Koobs? It could be entirely different from how he's worked in Miami and Arizona, where it's as bad as it could get. I think Josh Rosen is damaged goods, and you don't want to mess with that. Like, there's some guys where they've just gone too far past the point of return, where you're like, listen, man, you got, you got hosed in one system. I get that. When you go to another system and get hosed there, then I worry about your brains turning to mush, because I'm not sure what you're believing anymore. I don't know whose teachings you're taking with you. I'm not sure really how you're processing things, because, I mean, I'm not saying that Fitzmagic isn't the best or the worst. I'm just saying that he's a, he's a good player. He's a Really, really good player. But Josh Rosen should have beat him out the entire year and been doing better things, and he wasn't. So you start to look around this league, and that's why I think your point is so valid that, you know, can you pay somebody less that's younger, that maybe doesn't have the ability that Kirk has to do the exact same thing Kirk can do for $30 million less? Yeah. Yes, you can, and you can also upgrade around him, but what you take a risk on is the ability of this offense not processing well in someone's brain and then yeah. not understanding what's going to happen. You know, and this is what guys will always rely on. They look back to this. They say, listen, this kid has been in this system for a while. Look what he's done. And last year he put up some phenomenal numbers. Now, we didn't get over the hump, but we're trying to this year. And that's why I say you wait. Listen, last year was great. We're building on this, but we need to see what else he can do before we start locking ourselves in long-term to see what's going to happen down the road. That's too much for anybody, I think. Let me circle back on the Josh Rosen thing. Uh, first of all, his middle name is it's Joshua Bollinger Lippincott Rosen. <laughs> Love looking at the middle names. That is <laughs> something right there. Um, but here's a crazy, crazy number for you. So uh, Joe Burrow... The number one, mm. presumable number one pick, as long as he doesn't tell Cincinnati's Cincinnati quarterback, yeah, right, to go play under a bridge. Oh wait, they kind of do already. They do. Um, <laughs> he was born on December tenth, nineteen ninety six. Joe Burrow. Josh Rosen was born February tenth, nineteen ninety seven. Josh Rosen younger by a couple months than Joe Burrow. It's kind of interesting that the Very number one overall pick, who has never touched you know an NFL football, is uh, is still older than Rosen, which tells you how young he was when he came out and. You know, yeah, I wouldn't say that I would want him to just be the starter on a win-now team, but if you're looking for how can we not spend a first-round draft pick on the fourth-best quarterback who ends up, you know, dropping down into the fourth or into the into the first round, how can we take a shot somewhere else, trading a later pick for someone like Rosen that is still very young and might have potential is under the category of options you could try. And that would also go under, would you be willing to let this go all the way to the end with Cousins? Because Barnwell in his ESPN article puts it as a high priority for the Vikings to sign Cousins to an extension. 
But I, I, in a way, I don't think it would be that bad if they did the same thing that Dallas is doing and letting it just run all the way to the very end and let him play out this year without a contract. He's done it before. Why couldn't he do it again? Right, and he's not going to be the kind of guy to turn around and go, listen, I'm not coming to camp if I don't have a new Right, contract. he's going to be here. He's going to make a lot of money to be here. <laughs> he's just not. You're right. You're making a lot of money to be here. And it, it's not like I don't feel like there'd be any ill will from him either. Like, hey, listen. This team kind of wants to see what I can do. Maybe personally, I'd like to see what I can do and see if I can get this team over the hump. I mean, there's so many questions going into this year, and that's what makes this so difficult to understand is because if you are the team, you're. I think if you're the ownership, you're looking at this and you're going, listen, we have coach and we have a GM about to be up, and we could possibly have a quarterback position up. And so all of a sudden, what all of a sudden looks really appetizing to everybody around this league, hey, listen, come coach this team. And you can pick your own quarterback. How about that? Yeah, no, that's Bro, true. That's true. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many OCs would be like, "Listen, boss, I gotta go. I'm I'm gonna go put my name in over here." Like to, that is what everybody wants. To your point, if we try to do the uh, Robert Frost thing and uh, come to a Y in the road, uh, and we look down one way, and we you know just get our little um, what do they call it? you know your um, binoculars, and you look down the one way. And you see, okay, that's us winning a lot with Kirk and then just paying him a ton of money. Okay, well, that doesn't look too bad. Then everyone keeps their jobs and Stephon Diggs doesn't have to tweet anymore and everybody's happy. And then you look down the other road, which is things go terribly and you just move on from Kirk and restart everything around a new quarterback. And you're like, I don't think that's terrible either. I mean, the, the worst place to be is caught in the middle, which is very plausible if you sign him to a contract extension right now you can't pay other people and then you end up with a nine and seven season and we feel exactly the same way we feel right now a year from now right and that is i don't think it's plausible i really do think that ownership's going to look back and go listen we can't keep doing this we can't just keep having really good years and paying people a lot of money just to get let go of free agents that we really want to keep because we're too handcuffed over here at this position or we're handcuffed at other positions where now all of a sudden the cows are coming to roost and what do we have to show for it one playoff win mm-hmm. like you you have to have more and i think that the more you look down both roads the one that kind of frees everybody up towards you're like listen man that 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 is really what everybody kind of enjoys, right? Like you're looking at this, and as ownership, you're like, hey, if we do have to make a drastic move at the end of the year, what saves us the most? Well, number one, say Kirk has a great year. Well, then we'll pay him like he had a great year. Right. We're going to yeah. pay him like a great quarterback, which is fair to everybody. But then again, if he doesn't, well, then we're saying goodbye to a lot of people. And then all of a sudden, we're doing fresh faces, and we're all you know hugging each other and having new times, and we're getting this journey started. And sometimes that's not so bad. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to debut something new that I'm calling the negotiating table. I'm, I'm, right. I don't know if you're ready for the negotiations, though. Are, are you ready for the negotiations? Huh. You're just a player. What do you know? I've sat in this room once or twice. It was fun. <laughs> really? You, yeah. You've been in the... Okay, all right. Well, this is good. You've got the experience. Well, I professionally talk about football, so that qualifies me for our bit, the negotiating let's table. We're going to look at... The free agents that the Vikings have and make arguments for and against keeping them. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense. And that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience, and standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more 
about your local Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We will get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, join Score North at the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show Friday, February 21st through Sunday, February 23rd. Your ticket includes gate admission, 14 free greens, greens fee passes, plus seven bonus greens fee passes with advanced purchase courtesy of TwinCitiesGolf.com and one free polo shirt. Tickets and more information over at ScoreNorth.com, keyword golf. Also over at ScoreNorth.com, you can read Matthew Collar's article about the presence of Dom Capers or the presence of Dom Capers and what that means for Anthony Barr, as well as Judge Elged's article on what MLB should do with Astros owner ownership after his apology, non-apology today that set off Rami and Walsh. Be sure to get back to that and at Mackie and Judd with Rami at four o'clock. That's been your score North Donald. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, before we get to the negotiating table, uh, Jonathan mentioned my article about Dom Capers and Anthony Barr. Give me a, a take here, Alex Boone, on whether Anthony Barr's role should change from what it was, especially if the Vikings move on from Everson Griffin. Like, they, should yeah. they use more 3-4 type of concepts with the pass rush involving Anthony Barr? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you're paying him to absolutely be a pass rusher. And can I just say, the linebackers are getting paid a stupid amount of money. Mm-hmm. To, and and for someone like Barr, like, don't get me wrong, I love Anthony Barr. I think he is awesome. I think he's an awesome football player. I think he's a great dude. He was close to my locker when I was there, so I think he's super cool. But when you're paying somebody that much money, like, dude, we need at least seven sacks. Like, we're going to need something down the road to help us get through this. Because look at some of the top dudes getting paid at linebacker. Who is it? Like, Bobby Wagner, uh, C.J. Mosley. Like, their defenses were not the best this year. And then you turn around and look at Anthony, you're like, dude, you're getting paid a lot of money. we got to show up. And it's not that his fault, though. Because what you said before, like, Everson and Daniil... Like, where, where, where is he supposed to rush? Like, at what point are you like, hey, listen, we really don't even need to bring pressure anymore. Like, we're just going to let these two guys wreak yes. havoc. That, that's, that's not his fault. But when you're paying somebody that much money, you start to turn around and go, well, do we really need it? That's you know right on. Because they're paying, the like, Eric Hendricks less, but he's right. doing more in, in terms of, yeah, he's not rushing the passer, but he's great in coverage. He's great against the run. He's blowing up screen passes. He's making a massive impact on the passing game, whereas Anthony Barr is very average in coverage, but is really good at rushing the passer. I uh, posted a chart inside of my article of, as I will, uh, of all his pressure rates like per year and how many times he's gotten to rush. So in 660 total pass snaps last year, he only rushed 120 times, but he got to the quarterback and created pressure on 18%, which is a really good rate. And That's is good. a lot of Zimmer dialing up third down rushes for Anthony Barr, but on first and second down, he's often in pass coverage or in the run stopping, which he's pretty good at. But you have to be, in order to justify a 12 to $15 million cap hit, which is what he has the next two years, there's got to be more there. I think that's where you're exactly right is you have to be doing something that's impacting the other team's passing game because that's how you win with the pass. And if you could stop them with more pressure from Anthony Barr, that becomes a lot more worth it than he would be just when he's stopping the run and in coverage. Right, I agree. And I, you know what I think is, it's the more I keep thinking about this Dom Capers edition, the more I keep thinking, like, the defense is going to change somehow. How is it going to change? And you start thinking about these linebackers that they have and how good they are. What if they were to go, like, Zim likes is over. There's no question. But what if they were to do more of, like, an underfront? You know what I'm saying? Like, get somehow get 
Barr and Kendricks and Wilson and Daniil and get all these guys on the field in like an outside linebacker. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. it, it would it would be so interesting to see how that it would be like almost the hybrid thirty five. That's what I'm more like. And it's like the difference was that on a twenty five as opposed to a thirty five, like there was always an open side end. You know what I'm saying? So on a twenty five, it didn't matter what side you were on, if the strength was to your side, you had to kick in. But on a thirty five, like a Daniil, he would always go to the open side, but then you'd have to switch side. I mean it just it would be so interesting to see what they could do with so much talent. And you could technically say, Hey, listen, we're gonna get rid of Ev and we're gonna put Anthony on the line more. You know what I'm saying? Like that just it would be really I don't know. Interesting. You're basically reading my article back to me, like making a oh, lot of the point. Yeah, making a lot oh. of the same points because uh, I wrote with Eric. This is exactly what I wrote with Eric Wilson developing as a solid pass rusher and cover linebacker. The Vikings might want to consider more fronts that include three defensive linemen and three linebackers because then you could put people in all sorts of different places, especially right. with these three guys having uh, similar skill sets. And when you have someone as good as Eric Wilson, who in my mind is a starting linebacker in the NFL. You've got to use him more. He can't just be a backup and a special teamer who pops in and out. You've got to find ways to use him. And if you keep Linval Joseph, you've got someone who can play that pure nose tackle position. He doesn't have to make a huge position change to be a nose tackle and line up over the center because it's kind of what he's been doing. I I think it makes a lot of sense to mix this in, and especially if you don't know what you're going to do with the three technique. If you're not going to draft one in the first round and you're going to go with kind of what you did last year with rotating guys in and out, well, this might be another option that would make it more difficult for offenses, and it starts, I think, with Anthony Barr. I so here's my question, and, and as an offensive lineman, I love this. So you start talking about this defense. It's not so much the nose tackle. It's the three technique and the open side end that you have to worry about. Like That's the one side of the defense that they should be the most secure. So I don't think you can be like, hey, we're going to do a revolving door at the three tech. Because that's the mm-hmm. one side that you're like, listen, man, I need you to hold up. I need the, my big dog right here. Like the nose tackle, when you talk about like a, like a 35, like the Rams used to play back in the day with Aaron Donald, like their nose tackles were like who who is that guy right uh, okay just sure, a big, yeah. you know what I'm saying but then the three technique was Aaron Donald mm-hmm. and then the, the open side would be like uh uh Chris Long you know what I'm saying like you were like okay yeah. I get what's going on over here <laughs> all right and then somehow these defenses used to drive me nuts and here's why because OCs when they see a Sam on the ball and that's another question can Anthony Barr handle being on the line cuz dude it's a different world up there okay when you're off the ball you're worried about what fullbacks and receivers right cuz you're either going to get cracked or you're going to get a fullback down the A gap when you come on the line you have to worry about tight ends and old linemen now you've stepped into our world and it's like hey can he handle that and still be able to pass rush can he take on a counter 10, 15 times a game and still pass rush on third down and still show up in coverage. Like, that's a lot. That's a big step up, in my opinion. But then you turn around and you're like, well, what's it going to do for the defense? Like, you could put Stefan Weatherly in there. Like, he was always one of those guys that when you put him in that true five technique, he was always tough to block. Like, really tough to block. And you have the pieces around you to do it, but can Barr go from being off the ball to being on the ball more and handling more O lineman stuff? So, I think that would be difficult for him for sure. Yeah. Um, because he. I mean, the times that I've seen him in training camp do it, I've wondered, okay, could that be a regular thing or not? Uh, but if you are lining him up in multiple different spots and the offensive line doesn't know where he's going to be on each given play, that might change it. You also, the way that you were just talking about it, I, I was thinking about Everson Griffin and 
playing against the New Orleans Saints when he lined up inside quite a bit, would it be super crazy to think about Everson Griffin lining oh. up often over a guard in this type of scenario? Oh, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> don't, don't. You don't want to. You don't want to put that like. So, like, with the one thing with Aaron was it was so hard because he was really good at defeating a deuce because he was so quick. He could split it, or he was quick enough that like he would curl himself up into a ball. So you'd be like, oh, well, the tackle's going to take him. Then the tackle was like, no, the guard's going to take him. So instantly, you both would let him go. And I know, <laughs> like, one of us letting Aaron Donald go was the dumbest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> Try explaining that to some really pissed off people. But when you talk about that, you say, listen, if I'm going to expose this defense, where am I going to go? I'm going to go right at the three technique. He can't hang that much i mean mm-hmm. he's a defensive end let's just let them deuce him all day let's let them be him all day let's just let them go after him all day like sometimes ev would be great at the five technique i've seen ev play a five technique he's fabulous he's super fast he can play really well in tight quarters like that's the one thing when you're that guy you have to be able to play really strong in tight quarters like because you have you have a sam right next to you and there's a shade on the other side and everybody that's the big focal point like when you run a 25 or a 35 like that I hate running power against it because you have to move that five technique. And if that five technique is really good or if he can slant in and get away from the tackle, he can blow up the entire play. So it's a really good fit for Ev, but as we're going to see later, you're going to have to bring that cap number down a little bit. Well, yeah. Oh, no, that's for sure. And we're going to so, talk, we're getting to the negotiating table in just a second. But why I like this with Dom Capers is on offenses – we're talking about positionless football. Like, you know, use running backs as receivers, use Debo Samuel as a running back or Cordero Patterson. What really only the Patriots did effectively, I think, which was put him in the backfield sometimes, put him outside sometimes, you know, wherever you don't know where he's going to be. That there are defensive players who are becoming sort of like this, where you can move guys around positions and it just makes it more complicated for the offense. I, I think with Dom Capers coming in and you don't know what type of front. You're going to see, you don't know how they're going to use Anthony Barr from week to week. That, you know, it doesn't have to be, okay, we're locking into Anthony Barr is now Greg Lloyd and, or Kevin Green and he's got to play that position. Well, he doesn't have to, but some weeks it might make a lot of sense to do that. And with guys who have been around for a long time, I think you can change up their roles because they're already so familiar with the defense. Agreed. And sometimes when they've, not only are they familiar with it, but they've played in it so much that they know what everyone's doing. They know mm-hmm. where everybody is. So they're like, listen, I can play the Sam or I can play the open end. I can, now don't get me wrong. At times you want to look at this and be like, I don't know if I would put him at, you know, this position because like, like Ev at the three technique, I wouldn't do that because number one, he's not big enough to hold up on some of the run plays. And eventually you, you see that teams are going to start to slide into that. And you've just handcuffed him and Daniel because you put him on the same side enough. The teams are going to, because that was the one thing I was going to say that used to drive me nuts is when you put that Sam on the ball, offensive coordinators get so scared because they don't know what he's doing. They're like, <laughs> is he coming? Is he not coming? And most of the coordinators in this league, this is how they think. They say, listen, if we can get our running back out on a route, that's one more guy the ball can get to, right? So we have a better chance of succeeding on sure. this play. So now all of a sudden, what do they want to do? They want to go 5-0. I don't know what that Sam's doing now. Historically, he has not come, but this could be the week where he does come. So now all of a sudden, that's why these three techniques and the other side become so important is because you say, listen, when you have an Aaron Donald at three technique, now you've just 5-0'd him. So now it's you and him all alone, and he's really good in there. Well, if you put... Ev and Daniil on the same side. Eventually, teams are going to go, listen, I, I don't care at what cost. We can't 5-0 this. We're going to have to slide to them. We'll take care of that problem. And if Barr's going to come, we'll just throw the quick route. Like, sometimes you, you start to hurt your defense when you start to do too much like that. Football. Welcome, Don Cap- Dom Capers. It's a lot of football right there. Coming uh, with it. All right. I want to do this 
maybe a few times throughout the off season when we get to free agents and things like that. Um, it's called the negotiating table. So ramp us up some mm. NFL music. This will be Do a it. very NFL musicy day because yep. uh, we have hot routes coming up at three o'clock. <sighs> so I've got six free agents, and I'm assuming Everson Griffin is a free agent because he can avoid his contract uh, because he played certain amount of snaps and got a certain amount of sacks, so he's able to avoid his contract. So let's treat him as a free agent. Alex, you represent Delvin Cook, Trey Waynes, and Everson Griffin. I represent Anthony Harris, Mackenzie Alexander, and Dan Bailey. So for each one of these, you have one minute to make your case for Delvin Cook, and then I have one minute to make my case against signing him to a contract extension. And then when you're done with your three, I represent Anthony Harris. I have one minute to argue for Anthony Harris. And then at the end, Jonathan is going to tell us who he would sign based on our arguments. That's fair. All right. All right. So we're going to start out. Delvin Cook, you have Delvin a timer, Cook. Jonathan. Tell him, what can, he, tell him when, can, he's, when he's can up. I, can I, before we start the timer, can I just say, you're probably calling me, right? Because it's Delvin Cook. Like, at what point am I going to be like, listen, he's just not going to come. Could that be my whole argument? He's just not going to show up. <laughs> it can be. Go ahead. St- start the timer. Use, Ready? You don't have to use the whole, the whole one minute. Starting three, two, one, go. All right. Here we go. Listen, uh, if you don't pay Dalvin exactly what we think he should be paid, which is top of the market. We're going to let you guys just play the year out, and we'll see exactly how good you think your offense is really going to be. There you go. Okay. And I, I, as the front office, start the timer, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this back. Uh, Okay. Well, I'm looking at Devontae Freeman. Looks like the uh, Falcons are going to release him. David Johnson, he might get released by Arizona. Todd Gurley might get traded. These are the guys who signed these big contracts that you want. And did what last year? What did they do last year? Dude, listen, it is all about a what have you done for me lately. And what have I done for you? We have walked you into the playoffs. Now, it's not our fault that you couldn't get over the hump. But we got you there. And we were the lead leading rusher for a long time. And we were doing it dragging two or three guys behind me. So, like I said, we'll be sitting on the couch watching you guys in August. We'll be expecting a phone call September 1. That's great, and uh, we will just draft another running back in the third round who will be good, and we're going to throw the ball with Gary and his play actions, and you know what? Linebackers will still freak out, so it's going to be okay. Will they? Our offense can survive. Will they? You see, because you have to prove it every year. Like, a defense isn't just going to go next year. Well, guys, we have to play base now because, you know, they did this last year. If you don't have Dalvin, you're not getting those base looks. You're getting nickel looks. You're getting the exact looks you don't want. You get the defensive linemen pinning their ears back going, listen, this is what we do best. This is not what you do best. Let's have some fun. How long have we gone? This is probably longer than a minute. That's a little bit over a minute. But you know what? I'm going to finish this off as the front office by just saying uh, Tatum Bell, Mike Anderson, our guy Gary knows how to get it done. All right. Your next client is Trey Wayans, Alex. Make your argument for Trey Wayans. Uh, Trey, obviously you're not going to lose both your cornerbacks in the same year. Nobody would want to do that. Plus the possibility of losing one of your safeties who is one of the better safeties in the NFL. Like, I know your cap situation is right now, and we know what Trey will command. We think that Trey would absolutely be great, and some people might say that Trey has hit the ceiling. We don't agree with that at all. Trey's young. He's been in this system. He's worked with Mike before. We're very excited about what's going forward, and you cannot, you're not going to lose three safeties, three, two cornerbacks and a safety in the same year. Not going to happen. All right. I, as the front office, will say this. As much as we like that Trey developed into an average corner, just like we like that Delvin Cook is really, really good at football, the price just doesn't match the production. If his price is going to be for an average corner, that's a lot. And we think that Mike Zimmer can develop 
whoever he brings in that he could develop a Holton Hill, he could develop a draft pick, and they can be an average corner at worst and possibly even better. And sorry, Alex, we do think he's hit the ceiling. No, he has not. He's, he's young. He's 28 years old. He's absolutely growing in this system. And listen, you guys are in a win-now mode. You're not going to go in there with two brand-new cornerbacks and a new safety and say this is a win-now mode. You need to bring Trey back for familiarity and leadership. All right, let's move on to Everson Griffin. I don't know how long that went. Probably like a minute. That was just about a minute. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, just start yelling or something if we go yeah. way over a minute in this negotiation. Uh, this is the negotiating table. One-minute negotiations back and forth between myself and Alex Boone over these free agent players. Everson Griffin, um, I'm going to start this one, Alex. Uh, we, the front office, love Everson Griffin. We might someday put his number up on that that uh, ring of fame, ring of honor, because he's amazing and he's a great story. But the age thing is an issue. Second half of last year, he wasn't quite as good, and we wish him a, a, a good day, but it's hard to make an argument to pay him these kind of dollars again with a guy who's this age. Listen, I understand what you're saying, but here's my question. Can Neal still be the pass rusher he is without Everson on the field? We don't know because we haven't really seen it, but we're just saying that when Everson's on the field, it becomes a lot harder for an offense to scheme against you. And not only that, but Everson's been helping the back end too because he got eight sacks last year. And people might scuff at that, but that's a lot more than a lot of other defensive ends got. And he's out there making tackles on run plays. He's out there de- taking on defense or offensive linemen. Come on, listen. He is. This defense is way better with Everson out there. He is way more of a name for people to fear, and he absolutely shows up week in. So we mostly agree with you, except yeah. for the price is just really hard for us right now. We've got uh, a tough cap situation, and we just can't take the risk of paying a guy who's going to be 33 and it, it, having it not, potentially can, not work out. Can you afford to lose Everson if you're really talking about losing these pieces on the back end? You really can't. You don't have a lot going right now. I mean, yeah, I get it. Stefan Weatherly, great player. He's on the rise, but he's still not at the Everson level. It's just not. In our opinion, we feel like this defense takes a few steps back without Everson. That's a minute. Okay. All right. Now to my clients. Let's go. I represent Anthony Harris. Uh, he led the NFL in interceptions and is the playmaker that you always dreamed of having next to Harrison Smith. We always wondered, what if you got a real legit ball hawk Guess what? My guy, real legit ball hawk. And even with your corners playing subpar this year, still one of the better passing defenses overall in the NFL. Why? Because these safeties playing together was awesome. You want to keep that together. If you want to have a safety blanket for your unsure cornerback situation, you have to re-sign Anthony Harris. We at the organization, (laughs) along with Coach Zimmer, feel like... Uh, Mike's had top five defenses without Anthony Harris in the back end. We, we, we know what we're doing. We've done this before. I'm not sure if you guys think you're going to rodeo us around a little bit, but we have one of the masterminds as head coach, and he's had a top defense without a lot of guys on there, and he'll find the next safety. So I understand what you're saying. He's great. He's had a lot of interceptions this year. We had a great time. We could find another guy. Safeties are not a problem. Yeah, you know, this is a guy who's been in your system a long, long time, and he's got this unique chemistry with Harrison Smith. I mean, Harrison makes people better for sure, but how many guys can be in sync like Anthony Harris was? I, it's, it's pretty valuable. I think he's worth it. I don't think so. I, I agree. <laughs> agree. We agree that he is one heck of a player. No question. We love him. But 
moving forward, we're going to have to say that we're going to take our chances because we're going to develop the next Anthony Harris, next to Harrison Smith. Like All right, on to uh, my next client, Mackenzie Alexander. Nickel corners, they play all the time now. And if you don't have one, teams are going to line up good receivers in the slot and just smoke you. And guess what? I know you guys are great at developing corners. Nickel corners take a while. That's why, remember Terrence Newman at age 49 playing nickel corner? That's because it's not easy. And it's taken several years for you guys to develop my client, Mackenzie Alexander, into a solid nickel corner. Now it's time to pay him. You can't just draft a guy or pick someone up off of the scrap heap and throw him into that situation in Zimmer's defense. You have to keep Mackenzie Alexander. You know what? We just got off the phone with Terrence Newman. and He's, <laughs> he's actually coming back. Thinking about coming back. <laughs> Listen, you're coming off injury. If you think you're getting paid at the top level, it ain't going to happen. Because, once again, we have a guy here we're going to bring. we got Harrison back there. We're thinking about changing up our whole defense, our whole approach to how we're going to do things. We're going to find another nickel. This is, this is nothing new. We're good. Listen, you got hurt. It happens. You're mad at us. You want to test free agency. You test it. You let us know what you find. We're probably not going to be the suitors for you. Okay, my final client. I gave myself on purpose because it's my game. I was going to say this client. is so hard. You can't. Uh, like, listen, yeah, let you me can uh, come back. Let me Dad, make my. Yeah, let me make make my case. Uh, twenty seven for twenty nine. Most of your kickers have been terrible throughout the history of your organization. So you better resign Dan Bailey. Listen, we're talking to guys about restructuring right now. We'll get back to you by three. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, uh, you decide. You are Spielman. Uh, I guess uh, Alex was playing the uh, AGM there, or, or I was. We were playing George Payton for the Vikings, <laughs> making the cases. Now Spielman gets to decide. He's heard yeah. both sides who he's going to sign. Who would you sign based on our arguments? I'm not signing Dalvin Cook. I'm okay losing a star running back because I don't want to pay the price that you have to pay to get that guy in just because the production that other star running backs who've made who've had big contracts mm-hmm. they haven't really produced for those big contracts. I'm okay losing Dalvin Cook and and gambling on another running back because they they can be found. Trey Waynes, I'm not signing. I don't want to spend that much money. There should there is something to be said about a guy who's consistently average mm-hmm. at that position. You always need that. But I want to spend my money on Anthony Harris. If I'm going to bring it back anybody in that secondary, it's going to be Anthony Harris because him and Harrison Smith back there are fantastic, and I don't want to lose that. So my money in the secondary is going towards Anthony Harris. I'm not. I'm not bringing back Everson Griffin. The the age. You I'm, lost geez. all of them. I got. I just sorry. <laughs> I was bound to. I, the I, age, I gave you the hardest ones on purpose. The age concerns me. I'm not a fan of the age. I'm okay with losing him because I like what the development of the other guys along that off mm-hmm. or that defensive line have done. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, like I said, I'm not spending any other money in secondary besides Anthony Harrison, whatever I'm drafting. And, and we then, all agree Dan Bailey's Dan, coming back. Yeah, Dan Bailey's oh, coming sure. back. You, you, sure. you can't even make an argument against no. So really, the only guy that you want back is Anthony Harris. Yep, Anthony Harris and Dan Bailey. So I think that, uh, Alex, you made very good arguments for Everson Griffin and Delvin Cook. Um, with Delvin, they really have made him the centerpiece of the offense, and that's why it would be really tough if he said, sorry guys, I'm not playing if I don't have a contract. Then you have to look around and go, okay, that changes a lot of stuff that we were right. doing. And with Everson, it's a fair thing to say. It hasn't been in part Hunter's success because everyone is so focused on Everson Griffin. He is truly a monster over there, and they have to shift protections that way. And the Vikings try to design it to force teams to shift protections to his side. That's why I think a lot of times we go, how did Daniel Hunter get lined up on a tight end? Oh, they, <laughs> they set it up that way. Right. I mean, that's, and that's the credit to Zim. He's using his defense. To, and, and listen, 
eventually you have to start paying everybody. And that's why you don't see the same team every year in the Super Bowl just mm-hmm. destroying people because contracts come up and you're like, listen, like the situation they're in now, $12 million over and you have 18 guys leaving. Like, And not only that, but you have to make decisions on other guys. Like, That's a lot. And this is what we talked about is sometimes these guys, these money guys are so smart like a Brzezinski where they can keep pushing it down the road and pushing mm-hmm. it down the road. But eventually it comes up where it's like, listen, guys, we really can't push it anymore. Like We're, we're kind of strapped out now. We have too many young players that are on the rise we have to keep signing these guys like like Declan last week was talking about bringing trading Harrison Smith to keep Anthony Harris like those are huge decisions you have to seriously consider because Anthony Harris is going to be the future of safeties he is on the rise he is a young player and not that Harrison's any less of a player but all of a sudden you start looking at how many years could we use Anthony and how many years could we possibly use Harrison you know it changes and that's the decisions of a GM are so hard and I, I mean I credit those guys sometimes and a lot of times I don't because when you're looking at it, sometimes the answer's staring at you right in the face. They just don't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, your point about teams going back, Brady is, of course, the biggest reason the Patriots go back because he's right. the best, and that's the truth. But they are also ruthless. If you went to the Super Bowl with the Patriots, that doesn't mean you're getting a huge contract the next year. They might just be like, like Trey Flowers. Like, oh, good. Thanks. Thanks, bud. See you. Enjoy, yep. enjoy Detroit, my friend. Uh, you'll be very rich, but you have to live in Detroit. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I, you know, that's a part of it is that they've always been so good at just not caring about anybody's feelings and not having any loyalty. And a lot of times when you send out somebody who's declining for somebody who is maybe on the rise, you end up with more production just because you timed it out correctly. So, right. well, anyway, that was fun. We'll do it more often with free agents and things like that where we make the case. And uh, maybe I'll give you the easier players. I was going to say, do you think maybe I could just get one player that was like <laughs> not? I mean, other than Dalvin. Dalvin was kind of easy. Yeah. And I, I, I say easy, but then again, everyone's like, yeah, we're still not signing him. But it's just because like, Devontae Freedom did not help me today when he's like, that getting released. You're like, wow, there's another one. Mm-hmm. Just the, and that's, dude, it's a big deal now. And people are going to start to look around and be like, do we really need to do this again? It is. He, the player that he was this year is worth paying a lot of money. It's just yes. always the question whether he'll continue to be that player. Uh, Jed Zolgad is going to join us next. We've got some hot routes coming up, all sorts of fun questions. For Alex Boone and Judd Zolgad, you listen to Purple Daily. We'll be right back here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! 387! All right, we're back here. On Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, former Minnesota Viking, Alex Boone, and we welcome in for some hot routes, Judd Zulgad. What is up, Judd? Well, love me some hot routes. Oh, um, yeah. Judd, uh, we just enjoyed a fun new game, oh. by the way, that uh, we're calling the negotiating <laughs> table. And let me ask you, I'm going to tell you the results, because Jonathan okay. played the GM who had the final call. And the only player out of all the guys that we negotiated over. We negotiated over Delvin Cook, Trey Waynes, Everson Griffin, Anthony Harris, Mackenzie Alexander, and Dan Bailey. The only two out of those that Jonathan was bringing back is Dan Bailey because, duh! Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, yep. um, he made all the field goal things, so he's back. 
and Anthony Harris. That was the only one out of all those guys that Jonathan thought it was a good idea to bring them back. Would you agree with that? Given names again. So we had Trey Wayne's, Dalvin Cook. Everson Griffin, Anthony Harris, Mackenzie Alexander, Dan Bailey. So Bailey and Harris were the only ones he wanted back. Ooh, okay. Um, boy, Bailey's, to me, no-brainer, yes. Yeah. So if I bring back Ant Harris, though, I'm paying Harrison Smith and Harris? Sorry. I'm bringing one back, Dan Bailey. Of unless you come, them. Unless you come of back on my terms. Uh, Dalvin Cook I can't bring back because he's not going to come back on my terms. Harris, I absolutely love, but can I bring him back with Harrison Smith? Trey Wayne's not bringing him back. Griffin, uh, Griffin can walk, and he's probably going to walk. Yeah, there's a good chance, just one. Hmm. Sorry. I like the argument for Anthony Harris because I, I think his ball-hawking ability is special. It mm-hmm. was something he did in college. It's something he's done in the NFL. And those game-breaking interceptions really held this defense up this year. They still finished fifth in points despite having horrible cornerback play overall from the two outside corners or average on one side and really well below average on the other side. And to be able to have Eric Kendricks, Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith be able to dominate the middle of the field in a lot of ways is going to be really valuable for you. And I think if you're anything short of a great defense, we don't even have a conversation about this team as a competitor. But you have to think, too, though. How are you going to pay Anthony Harris and you have to pay a true cornerback? Like You have to get a cornerback. You have to get somebody. We've talked about it on this show several times. Like Teams now are just airing it out all over the place. Mm-hmm. And if you yep. don't have a true number 1 cornerback, somebody that can close off half the field, you are doomed. You're going to give up at least 300 yards a game. And not only that, that's time off the clock. That's all of a sudden more possessions you lose. It comes back to so many different things. But you... To be able to keep Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith, and Eric Kendricks would be great, but then you also have to plug in one more piece, and that's what, to me, I think everyone keeps overlooking is, yeah, it'd be great to do that, but then how are you going to find the money for this other corner? Well, I think I'm going to try to design it, if I am Rob Brzezinski, because he's very clever, um, to have the, the bigger cap hits for Anthony Harris later when Harrison Smith is probably past his prime and would either be coming back at reduced prices or being let go, too, because he's 33-34. And this is how they've kicked the can down the road. And I know it's not always ideal. We're tired of that. But you're also in a situation where you need to win if you're Zimmer and Spielman. This is another year where you're probably not shredding all of your roster and rebuilding and trying to get Trevor Lawrence or something. You're trying to win the NFC North again. Yeah, but Boone, is his point is you, you need to get a corner in here who's probably going to cost you a lot to try and win. Right. So, like, do you bring guys back to try and win, or do you go outside to try and fill, I, I think, to what Alex is saying, the cornerback position with the guy who's going to give you a good chance to win because he should be damn good? Well, Anthony Harris was my guy to negotiate for, so I have fought hard for you, Anthony. <laughs> um, and uh, he was the only one Jonathan thought should come back. So that will be worth watching in the weeks coming. So for hold, sure. just quickly, so you're telling me that Jonathan took Alex Boone's candidates and dismiss them, them all. Yep. Don't yeah, take that, Alex. You're a I former got, player. I got thrown out so quickly. I, I mean, you give me a 33-year-old defensive end who, yes, <laughs> plays great and is incredible on the field, but that's tough to negotiate in an NFL yep. room. Like, yep. you can't – they're just going to turn around and be like, dude, 33. You're going to go, <sighs> <laughs> I know. You're going to go, no, you don't. He's 33. Don't even come at me like that. And But to realistically, like, I want you to think about the doubt. And it's not the do you want to. It's can you afford to let him walk away right now? Like, Mm -hmm. this, you just said it. It's a win-now mode. Can you really afford to be like, you know what, Dalvin? No, we're not going to pay. Because if he does call and say, I'm not coming until this money is met, are you really going to be like, it's win-now, 
See you later, Dalvin. That's where I think you're exactly right for what they will do. Now, uh, because of the game, I argued against you. But right, I, you had to. I, I think it. that what they will do is pay Delvin his money and make sure that he's in the backfield. And again, they'll try to structure it. So it's a very reasonable cap hit for this year and next year. So even if it blows up on them down the road, they're probably past their window and and reworking things anyway, which is kind of how they viewed this entire second half of the Zimmer era. Cause there's the build up, and then there's the peak in 2017. And now we're on the other side of the mountain and they're trying to hold it up where it is right now, which is a contending team for the NFC North. And that's how you structure your contracts when you're in that spot. And then you go, well, uh, you know, three years from now, we're going to have to blow this thing up anyway. So if we're overpaying a running back, shrugs. And and that's why I think that they'll do it. Uh, let's let's ramp up the hot routes because they are blazing hot for today. So let's get started. Uh, Oliver Luck, who is the commissioner of the XFL, by the way, which is uh, I'm sure something everybody thought would Craven happen boy. someday. He says that his son, Andrew Luck, maybe you've heard of him, has not found it all that difficult to disappear from the NFL limelight. Let's say Andrew Luck all of a sudden had an epiphany. He was out fishing one day. He caught a fish. It looked like Peyton Manning. And he said, oh, my legacy. Uh, And then he decided he wanted to come back and play in the NFL. Where would you like to see him return? And do you think that he ends up as a Hall of Famer if he comes back? Why don't you start, Judd? All right. I know people are going to hate this, but I was high on this kid. I saw him as a generational talent from day one. And so where I would like to see him go is a place that will be vacated by a guy who's, what, 43 years old? Oh, come old. on. I want to see him go to... Why are you doing that? I want to see him go play for Belichick and the Patriots. Oh, God. That's awful. Let me answer the question. Let me answer the question. I was brought in here to answer the they question. They don't deserve that. I did oh, research. God. Um, and then my answer about Canton is absolutely yes. He yeah. will be. He would have a bust then in Canton. But I would love to see the seamless transition into Bill's golden years with Andrew Luck winning him more Lombardi trophies. Your answer was a bust, Alex. It was a huge bust. Dude, I'm going to give you one right here. How about down in Tampa with B.A. like he used to do back in the day? Right, he's got two great receivers. Help that O line a little bit, dude. I think that. But the problem is, if he goes down there. His chances of getting the Hall of Fame are 50-50. Like, I just don't I don't know that they're for certain. Another place I think would be great to see him would be the Bills. I would love to see him in Buffalo. I think that would be fun. Well, they haven't had a good quarterback since Jim Kelly. So I know. Yes, That's why that would it, would be be, it would be awesome not only to see what the city would do, but how he would do there. Like, yes. they're, I mean, dude, they're a defensive team. You get one playmaker on the offense that could really help them out and control a lot of things. And I, Not that I don't think Dabble's really you know, a bad coach. I just think at times, sometimes his experience in, in uh, Andrew Luck would be huge for a team like that. That could, that could be fun. Jonathan? Besides Judd's take, which I agree with, I want to see him Thank go you. to an organization that's well run. You're trolling. You're trolling. No one believes that. <laughs> nope. I'm going to go because I love, because I've said this answer before and I just love chaos. Send him to John Gruden in Las Vegas. Send oh the biggest God. names to Las Vegas. <laughs> you want everyone to go to I Las do. Vegas. You really do. Spider 2i banana, the only play they use. Absolutely. Throw it to the fullback. Spider 2. Send oh one of the best quarterbacks in the league to Las Vegas and make that thing work. Alex, can you explain Spider-2? Spider two? I can tell you, as soon as you said Spider-2, I thought slide left. That's instantly what I thought. <laughs> slide to the left. That's all you got to do on Spider-2, Why banana, slide to the left. Okay, I only <laughs> asked for the offensive line's uh, assignment on that. You're Thank welcome. you. Uh, I want to see him go, this is a worse take than Judd, to Dallas. Why not? 
Let's get Dallas back right. in the Super Bowl no. in the limelight. You ripped me, and now you're saying <laughs> Dallas? Let's not. No. Let's not. Okay, he's got good playmakers there. He's got a great running back. The offensive line is still good. And if he goes to Dallas and does anything, he ends up in Canton. I want him to be in the limelight. I want him to be That's what I was on the saying. biggest stage. I know. Dude, but Buffalo. Biggest stage, dude. <laughs> but, but the Patriots are just so Not drinking obnoxious. stage, boom. Dude, We're not talking pa- about alcoholism. We're talking about football the, winning the, games. The, the I co- mean, you you literally just picked the lowest hanging fruit there. The, the Patriots. Yes. Everybody yeah. would have said the Patriots had that just been like, all right, the Patriots. But you gotta, yeah, I but mean, I said it first. Because <laughs> I went first. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I am going to go with Dallas because I want him to just succeed and end up in Canton and fulfill his full talent, which I think he could there. Uh, if he ever does come back, I don't know if he will. I'm kind of banking on no, but it would be great to see Andrew Luck end up returning to the NFL. Uh, next question for you guys. Ron Rivera moving from Charlotte to D.C. is holding a yard sale. Of course, here we have Bud Grant's yard sale. Uh, Ron Rivera giving his proceeds to charity, so that's a very nice thing of him. And uh, I want you guys to give me an item that you want to buy from any current NFL coach's yard sale. So envision that a coach... All the coaches are holding yard sales. You are going to go and find blank item. Somebody start. Alex? No idea. I mean, <laughs> what? I, I, what is you one love thing? football. I thought you'd be all over What's this. one thing? Can I get your play calling sheet from like week 17? I mean, like, what? I, I'm confused. Like, can I go for someone's ring? Can I get something like that? Never. Okay, so you could buy like burgers from Andy Reid or something. <laughs> you know, this is this opens the door for all sorts of things. Yeah. Oh man, burgers from Andy Reid. Why well, you guys in you're making fun of these coaches. <laughs> Andy Reid. I don't know. You're talked the, about ordering you're the guy his that burgers called from Los Angeles and told him not to be tough. Who? You. When? We play a promo all the time. You're a coach. You're not tough. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jed, what are you buying from coaches? Somebody has bitterness toward okay. coaches. I've got I've got <laughs> two possibilities, okay? One is the Ron Rivera Carolina Panthers chair. Because one, I guarantee, because he spent a lot of time in the chair sitting down, right? It's got, first of all, the logo. Second of all, I'm sure it's very comfortable. It probably tilts back. You can take a little nap. If I can't get that, I want his parking sign. Parking <laughs> signs are great. Reserved for Ron Rivera, head coach, Carolina Panthers. That would be a great thing to hang up. My wife would hate it, but I would love it. Jonathan, I'm going to Bill Belichick's yard sale, and I want all of the team practice tapes that he's taped yes. over the past. Yes. Yes. That's what I was going for. Yes. That is exactly the what I was looking catalog for. From the past yeah. 30 years of him coaching football, I want it all. <laughs> That's like the only thing, though, that you could really get from a coach that would be interesting. And the truth is, how many tapes does he really have? That's what you really want to know. Is like, how many times have you done this and not been caught? So How I, many U-Hauls am I going to have to hire to get, oh my get all God, these tapes That's home? a great question. They've all been burned. Oh, yeah. There's no question. <laughs> They're long gone. Got I want question. all of John Gruden's full, not edited, Gruden camps with the quarterbacks. Because <laughs> I think that would be amazing. To get the unedited version, just the cameras are running. I'm sure that tape exists somewhere. Uh, I would also like Sean McVay's hair gel. Uh, I don't know how he does it with that rhino horn thing, uh-huh. but I can't. And whatever he's using is just spectacular. Gruden's visor collection would also be oh, yeah. very that would, key. That would be excellent. Uh, BA's kangaroo hat collection. Oh, it'd be great too. <laughs> See, like things like that. See, I, I would I wouldn't I would not go to a yard sale and be like, BA, let me get all your kangaroo hats. Like that's not like I just 
I don't know. You're right. Coaches aren't tough. But the, see, this was leaving the door open to be funny. Oh, the, the Belichick one was hilarious because that's a true. That's a question. Yes, like everybody wants to know. And you were too football about it. Like, what do I want a play sheet? I'd rather punch him in the face. Whoa, I'm sorry. I don't want his chair. I don't want his chair that he sat in and probably thought a million to... thoughts in. Or his parking sign. Uh, or the hair gel that he's using. Hey, I didn't rip you. That was collar. I was, I'm just an innocent bystander here trying to take part in hot routes. You were having a tough day over there, Alex. Uh, well, all right. Our next question. The Bucks released a social media video hinting that they're going back to the old logo. No, not the cream. So what's the old logo? Um, the, you know, the early 2000s one, one the one the that they won this. Yeah. All right. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah. they're not going back yeah. to that. Um, but that means they will no longer be in first place for the worst jersey and logo in the NFL, which they currently are right now. Which team will be the worst if they bring back a decent logo and jersey for Tampa Bay? And also, which team would you switch back to being old school? You know who I don't like? Because I, I think their jerseys are too sort of, they're sort of high school-y, college-ish, and this league is filled with great logos and I think great colors. I'm not a big fan of the Houston Texans. Yeah, it's very generic. The same That's fair. They I re- came into the league. Yeah, and I just yeah. don't like them. I, I think that they're, they, they've got so much potential there. And their jerseys. The Houston to me, Roughnecks actually have better yes, jerseys and yeah. logos of the NFL. And the Oilers, by the way, were fantastic. Yeah, Back yeah. in the day, the Houston yeah. Oilers were great, yeah. and the Texans just bore me. Uh, and then if I could switch one back, because the Chargers went back, and I love that that old Lance Allworth look, uh, no question in my mind, I'm going to Pat the Patriot. Okay. you yes. got got to go with like Pat it. the Patriot. Pat yes. the Patriot. Why? Why they ever He was changed. the best. Yeah. He was the best. He was. Uh, an homage to offensive linemen. Um, so true. What do you think, Alex? Uh, I definitely would go back to the Oilers and Pat the Patriot. I thought those two were great. But you know which one was terrible? was the old Seahawks. I never liked that for some reason. I don't know why. I just couldn't. I never got into it. I was like, whenever I saw it, I was like, dude, that is horrible. Somebody needs to change. I like what they went to, but the old one was just not. You yeah, know what the, else was the, great, the too? silver and green and all that. Yeah, nah, it's, it's Silver too and much. blue and green. There's a dude, lot going on there. Yeah. The Kelly green from Philly is great, too. That yeah. is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Those, that. Absolutely. those are so cool. Jonathan? Uh, worst jersey logo combination in the league right now is easily the Jaguars. Whatever they're doing with mm. their jerseys is just, it's not good. They've never really figured it out. No. They've tried a million different things and none of them have worked. Seven. I want the Vikings to go back to either the 70s or the 90s. I love yep. both of those looks from 70s. those eras. 70s, man. The black shoes. Either that or the Broncos. Go back to so their oh, old logo. That's Ooh, another good one. Oh, the Broncos. So I was going to pick uh, Tennessee going back to the Houston Oilers logo. Yes. If Love it. you know, if the New Orleans Jazz can become the Utah Jazz, <laughs> there's no Jazz in Utah, everybody. But they kept what? the name, and they should have kept Los the Angeles. Right. right? They should have kept the Oilers name for Tennessee, and they should have kept the logo mm-hmm. because those are all-time great jerseys. And I think dead last, you guys overlooked this one: uh, the Jets and what Ooh, they did. Yeah. Uh, adding black to the mix. Oh, congratulations on adding black to your jersey. Super creative. The the Jets have never had a great uniform past the originals with Joe Namath, uh, but they've been better than this. Mm-hmm. They've been better than this. Like, oh, we're modernizing it by making yeah. it, putting the black into Like, uh, I don't know. No, you don't need to do that. So I'm going to go with the Jets have the worst, and they could also go back to their old school. Uh, next question for you guys. The uh, Falcons will reportedly move on from Devontae Freeman, another running back, 
who has signed a big contract and uh, had it blow up in the team's face. I want you guys to give me, if there are three, then give me three uh, or less running backs in the NFL today who you would trust to pay a big contract for the next five Mm. years. All right, here we go. Number one, I'm paying Christian McCaffrey. The dude can do it on the ground. He can do it in the air. And number two, Alvin Kamara. Same thing. After that, I'm not paying anybody. That's it. You said five years, right? Five years. It's a long time. Okay, number one, Number one. I'm not paying anyone at that position for five <laughs> years. Three years, I'll talk to you. And, and Boone's two guys, for three years, I would definitely do. Five years, no way. And if you force me right Even now. Even McCaffrey, who's half wide receiver? Yeah, but he's going to get hurt still. Oh. In five years? Five years, How Alex. much they use him? No, he's tough. Yeah. Now, now, if you force me, though, if you say I absolutely have to. Yeah, you have to. If yeah. I have to pick one, guess what I'm doing? I'm going to take Matthew Collar and Alex Boone's good friend, because he's played forever, so why not five more years, mm. from Frank Gore. Yeah. Mm. Frank Gore. I'm giving Frank it. Gore. You know what, though? It. Good character guy, good locker room guy. I'm paying Boone's guy, Frank Gore, for five more years, because he's what, 30? Great radio interview. He's already 38, yeah. Yeah, he's 38. What's, what's 43? Let's keep it going. Come on. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan, is I'm there not, anybody? I'm not paying anybody. You look at five oh. years ago, who was in the top ten of rushing. There's Doug Martin, Darren McFadden, Chris Ivory, Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams. All oh, wow. five of those guys were in the top five. Wow. All five of them not in the league anymore. I'm not paying anyone any running back for five years unless I'm cloning Frank Gore three times and giving him five Matt, for the record, I took this serious, and I actually gave you two people. Like, I feel like they should have to give you at least one person they would pay for five years. I'm not paying anybody. That's okay. Run Uh, from it. Run from it. McCaffrey is definitely the right answer because he plays receiver. And if you have that big of an impact in the passing game, they should reduce how much he runs and throw to him more often. The same with Delvin Cook. Uh, I would also say that Saquon Barkley, I think, is a different level of human being from regular human beings. And I, I don't think it's crazy to want to pay Saquon Barkley at mm. some point. Alvin Kamara, I'm a little hesitant on because he was beat up last year, but he's also a major impact player in the passing game. And you guys missed the best answer to this, that if you were paying any running back in the NFL, this guy would be the easiest choice of anyone. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I get it. I get what you did there. Yeah, you know, I get what you back. did there. Right. Turbo Snark finding its uh, way into the <laughs> I'm not falling for this. That should be a flag. That should be delay a game right there. All right, final hot route for you guys. Michael Bidwell, who you once collected a check from, Alex, uh, the Mm. owner of the Cardinals, he uh, said that a 17th regular season game will not impact players' health and safety. He also has agreed to a, he's also agreed to a job with the Astros now that he's just full of you know what. So uh anyway, no big deal. Just add extra game and extra punishment is like no problem, right? Yeah. I mean Michael Bidwell, it's not gonna hurt him at all. His knees will be fine. Uh, if you were running the Players Association and Michael Bidwell said this to you, you would say, Okay, all right, that's fine. That's a terrible opinion. But if you give us this back, then we will put our body through a seventeenth game. It's gotta be this thing, what is that thing, Judd? In order for the players to get their mine 17th is, game. Mine is simple, because from a fan's and player's standpoint, I hate this idea. But mine is, I will do it if you give every player in this league, when he signs a contract, completely guaranteed contract. Mm. He is going to walk away with every cent, just like every other sport, hockey, baseball, and basketball. When you give out a contract, then, so let's stop with this. Five years, $110 million sure. with 13 guaranteed. All right? 
I'm going with completely guaranteed contracts, and then we can talk. Alex? That was my number one. I'll give you a 17th game for fully guaranteed contracts. And I know how you do it, too. You get rid of the funding rule. You just stop making them put up all that guaranteed money into an escrow in New York. And you say, listen, get rid of this rule. You clearly have all the cap space. Like People don't know that that funding rule came in the beginning of the NFL when these owners weren't just the owners of the NFL. They were owners of other businesses. Mm. And they needed these other businesses to keep them going. And so they were like, listen, we can't trust that your team is going to be able to pay this player. Therefore, if you fully guarantee it, you have to write the check and put it in New York in an escrow account so that that if you do go under, this player automatically gets that money. You don't need that anymore. These guys are trillionaires. You don't need them to write these silly checks and they'll sit there and be like, I don't want to take $20 million and put it in a bank. Dude, what do you care? This kid's amazing. You clearly want him on your team. Get rid of this rule. Fully guarantee these contracts. And you know what you're naturally going to do that nobody's talking about? You're going to get these contracts to come way down. Right? Because now guys are signing six years, $200 million, but they're only getting $30 million. Well, all of a sudden you say, hey, listen. How about we do three years, $30 million, fully guaranteed? All of a sudden, that changes things. It changes the way guys look at it because it used to be these big numbers excited everybody, but now it's the real numbers that people want. But I'll tell you what. I'll give you also an 18th game if you take away player discipline from the commissioner and you give it to the NFLPA. Mm. I'm sick of that guy being able to put his little thumb down on people. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't respect people that haven't had to do it between the lines before. So so when somebody's out here like poking people and pointing fingers, I'm not a, you know I'm not a fan of that. So I, I think that if you can give us the discipline of our own players, we might even give you an eighteenth game. That's a big deal. Jonathan, you got anything off the board? If uh, if they want the 17th game and the extra billion dollars that comes with it, I want fully guaranteed contracts. I want a second buy during the season. Second buy I want is a good answer. No franchise Ooh. tags whatsoever anymore. That has to go. And also better pay during the playoffs and preseason games. That's tough. That's, that's well, pre- we, we've talked about that too, right? Now nah, yeah. we've we talked to that. We've talked about that in the rooms, and the answer was you, it. It would take away from the cap. The money already takes away from the cap. If you want, you can make it. And the guys have said, "Hey, listen, you know what we should do is make more money in the playoffs because those teams deserve that money." And guys were like. People from Cleveland were not very happy when they said that. <laughs> I want you to know that that was actually thrown out in a meeting. And like guys in Cincinnati and Cleveland were like, "Dude, who said that? Who said who, who said that?" And it was these guys from teams that were winning. They were like, "Seriously, dude, we're not. We're sick of getting paid ten grand for the first week. Yeah. Like that's not fair to us." And these and other teams were like, "Listen, you shut your mouth right now. Don't you dare say that." Again. And it's it's a reasonable thing to ask, but you take away from the cap. Then people don't know that. Uh, I'm going to say. <laughs> If you play in the league for more than four years, lifetime health care. Because if you're putting these people at risk, then they deserve to be taken care of. And guess what? The NFL has the cash. Nope, nope. Not not feasible. It's not. They've done the numbers, dude. Dude, they've done the numbers. It's like you would have to owe like $8 billion a year. Like you would, you, it, they've done, they're like, listen, guys, it's never going to happen. They said it to us. It's never going to happen. It just costs a ridiculous amount of money to have to fund everybody that's been over. Because I think it was somebody who was like five years, and they were like, dude, mm-hmm. even then, that's a lot of guys and their families that you have to cover. And eventually the league would go bankrupt. Let's just call it then an improvement in that's how fair. they handle post career health care, whatever it might that. be, for 
you know, after 10 years after you're out of the league or whatever else, maybe it goes away. Whatever it is, I would ask for improved health care if you're going to ask me to put my career at risk. And I would also say no more joint practices in training camp. Yes. Just end those things. They yes. always end up in fights or guys giving way too much effort and, and, and get it, you know, getting players injured or just wearing it down. I remember Joe Thomas saying that it was like a whole other preseason game just to be out there in a joint practice. So get rid yeah. of those then and uh, make our lives a little bit easier in training camp. So I think it could be done. Bigger rosters, too. Yeah. I think you, I think you need to go up to 50-plus game, game day rosters, don't you, Alex? Yeah, I, I think it would be huge. It would be definitely a, a huge advantage for teams to be able to carry more guys on the active and still the inactive. But, I mean, once again, you start coming down to these silly rules that they're like, listen, the more guys that are active, some of the contracts that we do, we like to hide the money there. Like, listen, your guy's not up, your guy's not down. Like, it's kind of a messed up business when you look at it right. sometimes. I mean, look at the health care. Like, we all agree that if you want another game, you have to improve the health care. But then all of a sudden they start turning around and go, hey, listen, how much do you guys really want? Like, you, if you're willing to give something up, they're willing to give you something. But you have to give up a lot in order for You know what I'm saying? Like, in order mm-hmm. to get the attention of these guys, you have to really start saying things like 17 18 games and then in return they're like well what do you want and sometimes the things you say are so unfeasible that they're like listen that's just never going to happen like we just can't physically do that to him sorry and that's I got to be honest with you. I don't see the CBA playing out very well. I was there for the last one and how it went through and how it all went down. I don't see this next one being any different because billionaires will always be greedy mm-hmm. and players will always want to be alphas, which in turn will make them greedy. Everybody always wants so much more. Like, we want this, we want this. All right, dude, well, what's fair? What's reasonable? At some point, I really do think you're going to have to fully guarantee all the money and you're going to have to take away a lot of the power from Roger Goodell in order to get these players back on your side. Do you think that? That players this time around have the wherewithal and are galvanized enough to strike because a lockout in March is not a lockout. Like that, that was a charade. That was uh, day 59, no workouts in the offseason. Do you, do you think that players, because the only way the players are going to truly get what they desire in a big way is, is to exactly because the difference now is there will not be replacement games because Fox and CBS and ESPN are not going to pay to air replacement games this time around. Here's here's the problem, and we're going to go down a really silly road, and this was one of my favorite things about the league was being a PA rep, was when you start talking about these guys, you have to be very realistic when you talk about this. You're telling me that a bunch of players are about to go to war with a bunch of billionaires. Like You have to be prepared for some backlash. You have to be prepared for a lot of bad things to happen. Number one, the owners are going to turn around in the general media and they're going to go, how could these players not want to come? We're paying these guys $50 million (laughs) to play a silly game and they don't want to show up? Are you serious? Yeah. Now all of a sudden the players go, oh boy, kind of right. Well, what are we doing? What are we looking for? Like, you have to be very clear. And number two is this. And I used to say this in the rooms, and people, I think, started to listen towards the end, was when you start talking about guys that are like, hey, listen, we are going to let you cross. Like, getting players all happy and and on the same platform is so hard because I can't tell you what the guy next to me is going to do. He's going through something completely different than me. He doesn't have kids, or he does have kids, or whatever it is. How do I know that he's really resilient and what we're going to do? That was my number one concern. I can't promise you that out of the 1,500 guys, 1,500 guys are going to stay away when the owners are like, listen, this is what we'll give you. 
we'll give you this, we'll give you this. Eventually, guys start to cave in, and they're like, hey, man, I got mortgage payments. Mm-hmm. I got debt. I got this. The thing that saved us last time was we took out a big insurance policy that nobody knew about. And it was like, hey, listen, if we do have to do a work stoppage, this will pay you guys a certain amount of money. Nobody knew that but the players. And it was really just the players' association that knew. And now they can't do that. So they've already started, and when I was in the PA, we voted on putting money away already because we know it's going to be violent. These guys are hungry for money just like we are. Everybody is. People make that like it's such a bad thing that you're so hungry to be successful or hungry to make a lot of money. Like Sometimes you have to do really aggressive things to be an aggressive person. And the player's biggest problem is going to be who caves first. The owners don't need you. They have their money. They don't need this game anymore. They're making money off Walmart and Home Depot and doing real-life things, like real scenarios. They control the world. Now, all of a sudden, you're turning around, and you're like, we're not going to play. How much is it going to take for the player right behind you to go, you know what, dude, I'll cross over. If he's not going to do it, I'll do it. I'll mm-hmm. get my money. That was the thing that always scared me because then you start talking about guys who are like, well, we'll just, we won't show up. All right, listen. <laughs> It's easy for you to say you're not going to show up when you're the top 10% of the team. When you're the bottom 10% and they call you and they go, if you're not here tomorrow, you get cut and I replace you. What's to stop that player from going in? Right. He and, doesn't have what you have, and that's what's scary. And with this league almost entirely being run by quarterbacks, in a way, those are the only people that can't be replaced. Patrick Mahomes can't be replaced. His running back can. His wide receivers can. There's just such a high number of players who you could find somebody else to do the same job that it puts the players in a really tough situation. So I'm guessing we will end up seeing 17 games because of that, whether the players get what they want or not. Uh, whether they get, see, I thought Jonathan was going to say everyone should get free donuts on Saturday or something. But, Dude, donut day. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's Why take a would break. I be the one? Oh, Whoa. no particular <clears throat> reason. Just picked a person in the room. Uh, Let's uh, take a break, and we'll see if Jonathan's still producing when we come back. Uh, There's a rumor about Matt Stafford I want to talk to you guys about, and um, also Miles Garrett is just back, sort of snuck under the radar there, but Miles Garrett can play football again after nearly maiming someone last year. Let's discuss that as well when we return. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily and all the football you could ever want in just one minute. But first, join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes. Saturday, February 22nd. Join our team or donate to Team KSTP at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. We are talking on Mackie and Judd with Rami at about 5 o'clock with Derek Wetmore. In our continuing 10 days of Twins talk, and we're celebrating Kenta Maeda, the new Twins pitcher, reporting today. And here's what Derek Falvey said when he joined MLB Network about landing Kenta Maeda. Well, our focus always was on acquiring Kenta. If we could find a way to get him, that's what we were looking to do. And uh, got a chance to talk with Andrew Friedman and uh, and work out, try and figure out what a deal might look like. And sometimes those involve multiple team concepts. Unfortunately, in this case, it, it leaked out a little bit earlier than to conclusion. But we did our best to, to put everything we could together and ultimately land Kenta. We couldn't be more happy to have him. Again, 10 days of Twins Doc coming up at about 5 o'clock on Mackin' Judd with Rami. Now back to Purple Daily. All 
All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad, along with former NFL left guard Alex Boone. And um, so there was a rumor today, Jonathan sent me with the eyeball emojis, that Matt Stafford might be getting traded. And then every reporter who's dialed in came out and said, whoa, 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 not this year, but next year. This year wouldn't make any sense because they would have to take on $32 million as a cap hit if they traded Matt Stafford. Who is doing that? But our friends at Pro Football Focus, if, okay, you have that, good, uh, talked about this on their podcast. Uh, George Jahuri, I think, is the one talking about the Detroit Lions and whether they should still consider drafting Tua Tagovailoa if they're not super thrilled with going forward with Matt Stafford. I actually think the Lions are in one of the most enviable spots. <laughs> Matt Stafford was really good last year. Yep. You're not going to trade him. Keep Matt Stafford. Try and win now in a division that's not that great. Take two at three. You you don't have to actually tank. You get a quarterback who could yeah. be a top pick. You see if you can win with Matt Stafford. If not, you've got the best draft asset outside of Joe Burrow just sitting there. Maybe you play him next year. Maybe you don't. And it's not like he's losing value. It makes too much sense. Is um, are, are you guys going to be jealous if the Detroit Lions draft to a tug of Iola and live out the thing we've been talking about with the Minnesota Vikings. Cause I heard that and I went, ah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about it on this. So like, that's one of the things that people are doing now, developing quarterbacks. by sit for a year and see how this goes. Watch how this goes. Learn from somebody. Do I think that Tua is the guy? I don't know. I really am concerned about this dude with his hip. And I know that everyone's like, dude, you're crazy, and it's just a hip. It's not that big of a deal. But it really is a big deal because he's. To- you're talking about making this guy the focal point of your team, possibly. And then all of a sudden you have to worry about injury. And not that he's expensive up front as compared to what he could be, but still that's a huge risk you're taking with a top three pick. What do you think, Judd? I mean, I, I feel like... You're right that it would be a huge risk, but they could kind of have the best of both worlds. That guy right. to sit and develop and jealous and the- yes, absolutely. As Booney just said, that's the plan, right? I mean that that's the plan, the, the ideal plan in life for a young uh, quarterback, especially one recovering from a hip problem, is to allow him to sit, go to meetings for a year, pick people's brains for a year, get comfortable in the pro game, which for a quarterback probably takes a year. So yeah, I mean that that's the the blueprint for what you would hope the Vikings and it's not going to be possible certainly probably but that you would hope that they could do is that. So yes, if the godforsaken Detroit Lions stumble into this plan and get it, I would be I'd be jealous and plus I'd be concerned too because who knows, this might be it. Yeah. This might be the first step towards that franchise actually right. turning things around not just for a year but legitimately turning things around. I was thinking the same exact thing, that if they do something this smart, like drafting Tua <laughs> and then moving on from a very expensive Matt Stafford, but also when Stafford was in last year, he played really, really well, and they have a chance to add some more players and be a competing team last year. This happens all the time. It sort of happened with the 2018 to 2019 Vikings, where you make a bunch of moves in the offseason, then everyone hypes you up. Oh, yeah, this is going to be the team, whatever. And then you disappoint everyone. The Cleveland Browns could be this, too. And the year after that, that's when you actually get it together. That's what happened with the Vikings with the changes they made. And I'm looking at Detroit this year as 
Not a joke. A team that could be right in the mix because they have uh, the amount of talent. I do not believe in their head coach. I was going to say, I still don't like the coach. Nor should you ever believe in Matt Patricia. It's just they have the earmarks of a team. San Francisco, this happened. 2018, we went, oh, man, watch out for those 49ers. They've got a lot of young draft picks and everything. And it didn't work out then because their quarterback got hurt, just like with Detroit. But then in 2019, they end up in the Super Bowl. I'm not putting Detroit in the Super Bowl, but if they make a move like this, I'm going to feel like, okay, they're going to be somebody to watch here because they might actually know what they're doing now. Right, and then Judge said it himself. They're they're in this division. You're going to have to see them twice a year. What if this is the beginning of them making their step forward? And can you really risk not following that same trend? I mean... Chicago's going to do whatever they're going to do with Mitch. Aaron Rodgers has however many years he thinks he has left in them. But for whatever reason, if you let the Lions start getting a leg up on everybody, then you're right. Where are you going to be next year? And all of a sudden, say Matt Stafford does do a great job this year. You can trade Tua away. Or maybe you're like, yeah. hey, listen, we're, gonna, we're still going to hold on to him. We're going to do whatever yep. because why? His salary is nothing. I mean, yep. compared to what we would have to pay certain people, like, yeah, we're going to keep this dude because we can, we can mess with his contract a little bit and it doesn't have to be outrageous. All right, let's uh, change gears here for a second, because I think we're all on the same page that Detroit would be right to do it. And I think if you want to a tug of Viola, you have to trade over Detroit. Uh, they do crazy stuff. They drafted someone in the second round last year that even the draft analysts had never heard of. So you, can, you That's can't... That's a Belichick move. You cannot, so, you cannot trust yeah. them to do the right thing, because they sustain the name Detroit Lions, and as long as they do, I won't believe they're going to do right stuff. But that risk is there, considering the age and price of their quarterback. So if you're Miami, you have to probably trade up over. And it's it's almost the same conversation we had about Kyler Murray. Hey, if Kyler Murray drops, should the Vikings go? Oh, he's not dropping. No, he's too good. (laughs) Quarterbacks now, everyone knows how valuable they are. They don't let them drop, unless they're really absurdly stupid with Lamar Jackson, is basically it. Um I, what do you, how do you guys feel about Miles Garrett being back? I said yesterday that it feels pretty empty of a punishment when he missed six games that didn't matter, and the Cleveland Browns were probably secretly like, mm, that's okay if he's not there and we lose it's some Goodell, games. The right? draft it's Goodell, right? It's Roger putting lipstick on, on the pig of a situation to look good, and we're all like, oh, six games, he got six games. Good for Raj, and now sort of when things are just dead and not being talked about, he's like, you're back. Um, a lot of what Roger does in, in a league that a lot of us love, so I'll preface it by saying that, Alex Boone, but a lot of what Roger does to me is just, it's just for show. And this was for show. I, I'm, I'm still amazed that in 2020, you can swing your helmet as a weapon, and this is all that, that happens to you. I really am. I mean, what he did, God forbid he connects flush, could have been a disaster. But I think that this is the league again saying, you see what we did? We gave him six games. And Matthew, ultimately, you're right. It was six games at the end of a meaningless it season for Cleveland. Right. So, and then look Roger. at all the guys that can't play in this league because they, what, smoked weed? Right. I mean, something yeah, that yeah, didn't point. involve harming anybody. They just were like, listen, man, I just don't want to take opioids. I really <laughs> would rather mm-hmm. just yeah. smoke the herb than be having to force things down. This is... 
I mean, that's why I said I think the players' union really needs to be like, listen, we need to start disciplining our own players. Because to be honest with you, I think the the players' union would have came down way harder. They'd have been like, listen, we have the interests of everybody. We have all the players behind us on this. And you're right. You maliciously went out and swung a helmet at a player. Like, dude, people can come out and be like, well, we used to do that in practice. I can tell you right now, I never saw a dude swing a helmet in practice. Like, there was like, because there's lines. There's unwritten rules that you could never cross over. And one of them involves taking your helmet off and using it to make melee someone like dude that just can't happen and then you talk about a guy that's what going home to smoke weed and all of a sudden you're like you can never play in this league again you are <laughs> I know. horrendous person yeah. you are terrible like dude the josh gordon what are thing. you yeah what are you doing so i mean i get it at some point josh you have to wake up and other guys that need to wake up and be like oh listen there's rules nobody can bend the rules it's just the way it is go with it we're gonna figure it out but that is so obscure to me that you would six games like you had to know though because as soon as the punishment came down and they they stuck with it, you had to know that people were eventually going to forget about it. Yeah. And it wasn't going to seem so bad. Yep. And it's all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, Miles Garrett got real. said, what do you do again? Oh, he just tried to hit a guy with a helmet? Oh, these guys are crazy. Did They'll the guy die? Any- no. Oh, well, whatever then. These guys are savages. They'll do anything. It's okay. Six Rudolph games. had a smirk on his face. Yeah. He deserved right. it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he said something under the pile. Like... Okay, dude. Let's not forget that one guy almost killed another guy legitimately. And even the ref was like, dude, I don't even know what to do right now. I'm scared. Yeah, the ref just kind of ran away. And that's just like, nope, didn't sign up for this. (laughs) (laughs) When are we full time? Not now. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm full time getting my ass out of here. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I, I when I saw him coming back like this, it, it doesn't hurt the Browns at all. I, I mean, that may be the most frustrating part of it is that so often in sports, all we hear about, and this I was thinking about quite a bit with the Astros today, is accountability. You know, you got to have accountability in the room and in the franchise and with the league, and on and on and on and on. And yet, six games for doing one of the worst things that's ever happened on a sports field in professional sports. I don't think that's hyperbole to say when you did something that dangerous. It wasn't just swinging a helmet. It was swinging a helmet at a player who didn't have a helmet. It could have been. It it could have been an assault charge. It could have been. Like, you could have charged him with assault. Could have legitimately been deadly um, if he had connected right on. And... I don't feel like the Cleveland Browns are being held accountable or Miles Garrett is truly being held accountable. And I also think that part of it has to be that he was a top draft pick and is a superstar talent. There are different rules that we've seen in quite a a bit of circumstances. If you're a star player in the NFL, it's very different from if you're not. And if this guy is somebody else, I don't think he's getting off with just less than a half a season for doing that. I, I think he's getting probably a season and a half, and I would have thought it was right if he had to miss the first eight games. Holton Hill last year, what, used some PEDs, which I'm sure he's the first NFL player to have done, and had the weed thing. Yep. And he gets eight games. Miles Garrett gets six for nearly killing someone. I'm it's not adding be, this up correctly. No, and people are definitely going to be coming back about this. Like, Wait a minute. This is not adding. These numbers don't add up eventually. <laughs> right. And. It's like you said, it's just it's too egregious and then to what Judd said, this is like the perfect time for them to kind of make a little splash, like the league to be like, Listen, nothing's going on, let's do something. All right. So the question is, when does A B come back and who does he sign on with? Right. Are they going to hold Antonio Brown responsible for the off-field stuff? And tell me how you feel about this, um, because you've had these conversations uh, being with the Players Union and such. 
I've always had a really tough time with the off-field, how much to penalize someone for off-field stuff. Like at their at their job or, or if someone's willing to pay them. But then you also have certain lines that have to be drawn, like Ray Rice is on video punching a woman right. in the face. It's like, okay, well, really can't necessarily have that guy back there because of how it makes us look callous toward something that is very serious in society. But at the same time, Antonio Brown has been accused of some things. He hasn't been put in jail for those things. It's, it's really tricky territory for the NFL to try and lay down the law on people for things that they've done outside of football. I don't think it is. I think it, it maybe it's because I was on the other side that you see that sometimes these owners are like, listen, I just don't care. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you are. I don't care what you bring to this table. I will find another you. Eventually, we have to have rules in this league. We have to have things that keep us from going completely crazy. Like Everybody now is about the image. and they, It's changed because social media has changed, because the world has changed, because everybody has an opinion now and everybody has a voice. That All of a sudden, all these things have to be watched over. Because there was a time in the league that I heard stories, you were like, there's no way that happened. They were like, dude, we didn't have cell phones. You're like, oh. That makes total sense, right? <laughs> and so what's their biggest thing? Like, hey, listen, you have to somewhat be a good person. My biggest problem is how much money the NFLPA spends on lawyers for guys that are guilty. And I'll give you an example of something like the Ray Rice situation where we all saw it happen. And I get that they're a union and they have to defend these players, but there's sometimes where you're like, listen, man, we're kind of on our own here. Like, we Eventually, we just have to step up to the plate here and walk away from this because – you're, I feel like so much of the league gets characterized by the actions of so few guys. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Definitely. And all of a sudden, definitely. the rest of us get lumped into this. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at how you're paying for these things as a union. You're like, dude, we spent how much money on that? Are you serious? We could have done so many more things. Like, we all saw the video. We don't have to go hire lawyers to figure out what happened here. Like, sometimes I think they just misallocate how they're doing it, or at least how they have to perceive to do it. It's a really good point, uh, especially from covering the league where you learn uh, about so many players' personalities. And, and Judd and I always have rules about not making assumptions about who people are outside of the facility. Because oh, you just because Darren Sharper was a great guy <laughs> to me when I covered the Vikings, you mean right. I didn't learn a lesson from that? Right, but, but we do see up close uh, how many great things NFL players are doing. And even uh, Matthew Cherry won an Oscar. He's a former NFL player. And, and and so you know, a lot of these guys are really impressive and doing great things in their communities and everything else and then get characterized by what happens with, with a few bad players. But Goodell's whole thing is splashes, right? I mean, no, from, from the day yeah. he came on yep. board, he said, I will suspend everybody, basically. Oh, it's, it, oh yeah, it goes through me. Judge, jury, execute. Yep. I remember, it's a true story, I swear to God. He came in one time. Right? And this was early on in my career. Like, he only came in one time to, the, to our room. And it was early on. And Tony Pachos was in the room. And he sat in the back. And I sat in the row in front of Tony. And I swear to God, I've never seen someone yell at the commissioner in such a manner that I was like, oh, my God. This is about nice. to go. And, and Roger was like, Tony, I just don't understand. And he was like, really? You're really going to sit there and lie to me right now? <laughs> you just crushed him in front of 53 guys. Like I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But... Look what he's done. He's just the puppet for the older guys. He's just like, hey, yeah. listen. They're like, hey, listen, go do this. Go do this. Like, that's why I think that, and really, realistically, if I'm a player, I'm like, listen, I don't want that guy to have any power over us because he's just here to make splashes and he's not really yeah. here to help us. 
And, and uh, yeah, his whole entire tenure will be probably defined by his lack of a spine, I think. Oh, the, the entire time he's been here. Uh, Alex, always fun to catch up. You're we'll do best. it again next week. Judd, you're still here. Um, Mackie and Judd with Rami comes up next tomorrow. It'll be Myron Metcalf. Also, we'll uh, reconnect with Courtney Cronin, who was out earlier this week. So it'll be fun. We'll uh, catch you tomorrow on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.